This week on Ultra 64, we require more supply depots, and you require more StarCraft 64. I almost said Star Wars, son of a bitch. Welcome to Ultra 64, we are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different game from the Nintendo 64 catalog in random order, and then we play it for a while, and then we talk about it for a while, and everyone learns and grows, and we discover that the real N64 was inside us all along. My name is Steve Cutley. I'm Blizzard fanboy Woody Siskowski. And we are joined once again by a long-lost guest. Welcome back to the show, Scott! Help, help, Hi. I have an N64 inside of me and it's <laughs> trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna show up on the mri and just like uh-huh. rip itself out of your chest yeah do not go near magnets right now <laughs> it's glad to, good to have you back we haven't seen you since the uh mortal kombat trilogy slash mortal kombat 4 episode a yeah. million years ago so uh welcome back we're always happy to have you very very different type of game this time very different type of game and i'm glad to have uh, uh both of your expertise a little bit because we are playing uh starcraft 64 and i i think you can really really make a claim that starcraft is one of the best and most important games ever made, but I have not touched it in 20 years. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I, I have a very specific reason for this. All right. So when when this game was new, I was obsessed with it. I played it all the time and I never played the online because we didn't have... You played it all the time on your computer. Played it all the time yeah, on my PC. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Played it all the time on the computer. And uh, I, I there was a day that I woke up at 8 a.m., I booted up the computer and I did not leave that computer... <laughs> All day long. Yeah. And then that night, I had the worst migraine of my entire life. (laughs) And every time I closed my eyes, I saw images from this game. And I couldn't sleep. I I was up all night. Literally, it was like they were tattooed on the back of my eyelids. I could not escape them. Uh, And I was up all night uh, being sick and having horrible, horrible head pains. And then I never played the game again. Wow. Which is not fair. Uh, I don't think it was the game that did that. It was me. It was your 12-hour game. It was session. me not measuring my time out yeah. uh, that did it. But, uh, yeah, I, I still I, I stepped away from it until today. When, and, when, uh, when, have you had a 12-hour gaming session since then? Never again. Never, never again. again. Okay. Now it's like I max out at, like, three hours at most at yeah. a time, you know. Because I, mean, I, I get bored and I got I to gotta go do stuff, you know. It's rough. It's, it's rough, rough growing up. It's rough doing do stuff. stuff. Yeah. I mean, Blizzard games will do that to you. They, yeah. They, they make games that plant their hooks, they, as people know from World of Warcraft, which oh, is yeah. still going strong 15 years later. Crazy. Um, yeah, every game that Blizzard makes, they seem to find such a good way to uh, make complicated mechanics accessible um, and just have everything look so clean and mm. so much... Uh, good characterization the games were just always super addictive i did very comparable things to that playing diablo 2 oh yeah absolutely yeah i think i was in that mm-hmm. so with with any mentioning of starcraft yeah around this time i think it goes without saying they kind of have to mention warcraft oh yeah so well oh, i've got oh, yeah, that. We'll, yeah we'll get yeah. into that okay yeah. okay i mean this is uh this is the one and only chance we'll get to talk about blizzard on on this show because this is the only game they did for the n64 so Let's dig into Blizzard well, well, a little what's bit. Your, what's your, what drew you to play StarCraft with us here today, Scott? Yeah. Well, to make the trip from Seattle. To, to drive 150 miles exactly. to play StarCraft exactly. for the N64. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the, the allure of StarCraft is just, it's so timeless. It is just, it's, it's something that has really ingrained, I think, in, uh, in our memory as like a, a 
a titan of gaming industry of being like the progenitor to esports, mm-hmm. being like the um, like the first game that like you know accident well maybe like you know accidentally in air quotes like found competitive balance like really well with like all its different asymmetries yeah. and all these things that add up. And then I thought, well, if it's on the N sixty four, it should be just as it good, be right? Way better, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was one of the few games that I remember um, sort of. I guess Blizzard games in general, just attributing sort of a cultural significance and a level of quality that even if... Because I think Steve and I were both pretty hardcore console fanboys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you would be like, I got to get this game for my PC. I got to find a game that can play this. Yeah, Whereas yeah. so many other games for the PC just kind of fell to the wayside. This, because, like, yeah, I, I remember... Like, I, I, I don't really buy PC games very often, but when Diablo 3 came out, like, I was looking forward to that for months. Yeah. I bought it on day one. And uh, it's just because there's something about Blizzard games. They're just, they, they draw you in uh, regardless of what console you generally prefer. Like, it, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And they might be one of my favorite developers. I, and I think you can make an argument that they are one of the best developers. They certainly have the best there. batting average. Oh, God. I believe the worst game is Blackthorn, which is actually a pretty decent game. It's not even bad. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, name, I would. Name any other game that you can shoot a double barreled shotgun behind you without yeah, looking. That's true. That ought, it just I has think... a button to shoot the gun behind. You, yeah. Oh man, I think I missed this one. But I, it's fun. It's yeah. one of those. It's one of my secret favorite genres of games, which is like the cinematic platformer, mm. like Another World or Flashback. Flashback, yeah. Um, that kind of run really slow. The Odd World games, um, but the Black Thor game is one of those, and it's based around a cover mechanic of you oh. can uh, press up and just hide against the wall. Oh, okay, press okay. Up a cover shooter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Point is, Black Thor is cool, and Rock and Roll Racing is a personal favorite of mine. I love Rock and Roll Racing. Yeah, Yeah. Rock and Roll Racing is great. Lost Vikings is all great. Um, Let's talk about Blizzard a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I always appreciate Blizzard because I think one of the things that really sets them aside is that, like, they make serious games for serious hardcore gamers, but they have a very good sense of humor about themselves Mm -hmm. and a very good sense of humor in their games. I think just that little bit of extra personality really brings things out. Well, and the personality is such a huge thing in general. Yeah. Their graphics are always sort of even... I guess maybe not always in Diablo, but Mm. in most of their franchises, very light and sort of cartoony and inviting. Yeah, yeah. Even StarCraft, which is kind of set on a barren, like, space planet, like, all kinds of gunmetal grays and and gore and stuff. It's still, like, there's very distinctive character designs. Like, it doesn't look like anything else. Uh, but yeah, I think they're they're really great about that. Uh, Blizzard started back in 1991 in Irvine, California. Back then, it was called Silicon and Synapse. Uh, they released three games on the Super NES under that name: uh, RPM Racing, Rock and Roll Racing, and then the Lost Vikings. Oh well, I will say that RPM Racing, also known as Radical Psycho Machine Racing, which <laughs> sounds very fun, is right. actually a horrendous game. Is that one so, very bad? Yes, that that's, is... that's a that's a port that they did. Uh, so it's not like their original game. They did a um, port for the Super NES, but that was their first. Kind project. of like Rock and Roll Racing, if it was no fun at all. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Sign um, me up. Yeah. <laughs> so they they finally adopted the name Blizzard in 1994, uh, and around that time they caught the world's attention with a little game called Warcraft: Orcs and Humans. Uh, they made a few more pretty decent action games, like there was uh, the Death and Return of Superman, which is pretty okay for a uh, side-scrolling beat up. Beat sure. up. Uh, Blackthorn, as you mentioned, uh, Justice League. Uh, they did a game of that, and they did uh, the sequel to Lost Vikings, which is called Norse by Northwest, <laughs> which. Uh, Oh, that pun. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't decide if I love or hate that. Um, but yeah, I, I, once it was clear that uh, uh, Warcraft was a hit, they kind of pivoted to be all RTS games all the time. 
So uh, let's talk about RTS. Warcraft was not the first RTS game. Um, that credit goes to a game called The Ancient Art of War, a PC game from 1984. And then the term real-time strategy was coined to promote the game Dune 2 on PCs in 1992. So we got into this discussion a little yeah. bit. What make, like, what are the characteristics that make a real-time strategy game a real-time strategy game? Frantic clicking. Frantic clicking. Frantic clicking. Not <laughs> having any idea what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you, you, and, you, and having to strategize on the fly. Like, you don't get to stop and, like, it's not turn base you don't get to stop and like plan out your move you need to be there so yeah and but so how does that and i guess that differs from because like sim city for example is not turn-based like it no. happens in real time but um there's no sense of sort of competition there yeah i, I think like. the competition angle is important yeah for sure and they're, they're almost always i mean they're almost always war games right like is there a real-time strategy game that's not sort of a war game or would that be some would that be a simulation game would we call mm -hmm. pikmin an rts it certainly has elements of that, but yeah. it also has. I don't know. I don't know where that. I don't know where Pikmin falls. It's kind of in a weird middle zone. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, mostly it does revolve around combat. Yeah, it's true. And um, maybe I guess the Pikmin may be a little different because you are controlling a specific character in there, as opposed to sort of this overlord god figure. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 That's true. But Even yeah. though Olimar is probably like God to the little <laughs> Pikmin, right? I mean, they like, sacrifice a lot yeah. for him. <laughs> like, sight unseen. They're like, oh, I like this bulbous shape thing. I will die for him. Blood so. for the blood god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's the subtitle of Pikmin 4. <laughs> blood, blood for the blood, for blood, the blood god. god. I weirdly, I did start playing Pikmin 3. This is a, a dumb tangent. But, like, Pikmin 1 and 2 is all about, like exploration and discovery pikmin 3 is about survival it's about gathering resources so you don't die so it's kind of like a darker edge to a game but anyway uh so but yeah uh, uh so it wasn't the first rts but warcraft quickly established itself as the leader of the genre uh quickly surpassing the other big franchise at that time which was command and conquer from mm -hmm. westwood studios now have you guys played warcraft orcs and humans no i, I remember playing the very first warcraft I don't know, maybe like over a weekend or something. Things like, yeah, okay. Uh, and I came, I came to that from like a very console-heavy yeah. background, also. Mm -hmm. And then Warcraft Two came out, and I would always go over to this friend's place down the street, and we would play Warcraft Two. And it was, it was very interesting. But there was something about like the aesthetic, or I don't know, like at the time, I wasn't like super into like medieval, like fantasy type stuff. Yeah, I wasn't so I was either. like, I could, I could appreciate. <laughs> the game design and mm. just like going around like blowing stuff up uh and it was all, all like a lot of fun and i just thought like man if this was just like <laughs> in space this would be the best game ever oh yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah warcraft one i i've played it, at, it it feels quite dated now everything runs slow. very very, very slow. slow and um yeah the elements of strategy are kind of lacking but there was a substantial jump in warcraft 2 yeah warcraft 2 was the one i played uh, like yeah. uh, i think i i got a, a box set for a christmas one year that was warcraft 2 starcraft and diablo i remember super weirdly um did you guys ever they had like a scholastic book club that mm -hmm. got was like a catalog that got sent to our school yeah. and you could order stuff directly through that catalog and for whatever reason 
Warcraft 2, like, so this is full of, like, Beverly Cleary books and things like that. And I'm like, are you the there, God? Bears. Yeah, are you there, you, God? It's me, Firebat. Yeah, and they're like, one of the options was, like, War, Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness. I'm like, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Um, Wait, th- this very... was the game. It wasn't the novelization of the game. No, it was the, the game. game. It was the game. One, of the, one of the software options. Oh, wow. And I don't know how this snuck in there. I don't know what deal Blizzard made with Scholastic Publishing Damn. to get their product I don't remember that happening but... when I when I had those. It was just, like, all books, or, like, occasionally pencil or something yeah, yeah. the title is so wholesome it just kind of slips tides right in of darkness. warcraft tides of darkness yeah but uh yeah tides of darkness came out in 1995 i think that was i mean each each warcraft game like basically doubled the sales numbers of the one before yeah. it so like this one was pretty huge and uh that kind of sparked like a little bit of a a little bit of an rts war in the late 90s like late late 90s like is where you get most of your major rts games because uh, command and conquer was doing it we talked about battle zone a little bit um yeah so th- that's kind of where starcraft came from it came out right at the height of this time uh so uh, that starcraft was created by chris metzen and james finney and it debuted at e3 in 1996 and when the first footage of it was shown it was like shit on by everybody. <laughs> and you know what? Kind of for good reason. I looked at some of the screens that they brought to E3 and it looks like a child's MS Paint project <laughs> that went wrong. Now, was this like the the original stuff that came out? Because I remember seeing like really old uh, concept designs of things mm. where you look at, and I think this might be what you're describing is like, um, it's... I think like in space, but there's like some uh, some like purple goo everywhere. It's overwhelmingly purple, <laughs> but like it just the art design from that looks like a completely different game to what we have. It now. doesn't look anything like what it would ultimately yeah. look like. The yeah. Also, also, the initial assumption if that you know Blizzard is preview, previewing a game called StarCraft mm-hmm. is that it sounds super lazy. It seems mm-hmm. like you're just taking Warcraft. And putting it in space, and that's what this first one looked like. It looked it was operating on the same engine, uh, and it, it just had a really, really wonky color palette, and just like a bunch of like squid things that were. There was like <laughs> it was like a black, or it was like a black field, and then a little like purple land masses, like bright purple, and then like some squid monsters with teeth out in the blackness, like surrounding it. So it looked like bad clip art. <laughs> like it looked real terrible. And then things were getting a little worse too because they very nearly uh, Blizzard very nearly got into a legal battle with Disney over the rights to the word Zerg because at the time they were spelling it Z U R G which is the same way they spell the character of Emperor Zerg from Toy Story 2 which was in development at that time. So they very narrowly avoided a lawsuit with Disney by changing it to Z E R G <laughs> which does not seem different enough to me, but whatever, they're fine. They were fine with it. It all worked out. We have StarCraft. We had Toy Story Two. They're great things that exist universally. So awesome. I like to. We could imagine that they uh, that Emperor Zerg is the leader of the Zerg. We he just never purple. see him. We have, yeah. He's very purple. Yeah, we have no reason. Queen to... of Blades, Kerrigan, <laughs> and Emperor Zerg. We don't. We know very little of Emperor Zerg's backstory, so it, we very well may. Uh, but the development team took the feedback that they got at E3 to heart, and they basically started the game over again. They they started from the ground up. They built a new engine. Uh, they developed new graphics. They they worked on the different gameplay mechanics. And when it finally debuted in 1998, it just blew everyone away. Like, nobody was really expecting it to be this good. Um, I think what really, really made it take off, though, was the multiplayer. Um, and Blizzard... They they established they, they they created the battle.net or do you call it battle.net or battle.net? I've always called it battle.net. Battle.net. Okay. But it is technically battle.net. Right. Which yeah. is the same way as like the the game.com is actually you pronounce it a gamecom, yeah. 
But yeah, um, people are always talking about GameCon constantly in my circles. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know, but I have a very small circle of just me and my GameCon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they established BattleNet platform with Diablo in 1996. Uh, and both that game and Warcraft were hugely popular, like, multiplayer games. But StarCraft, like, next level, like, yeah. blew it to the next level. So uh, it allowed for up to eight players at a time online, which seems very, very small now, but that was kind of a big deal then. And uh, you could use spawn installation technology. So basically you could give your friends a copy of your disc and a yeah. product code, and they could install some limited multiplayer. If they wanted the full experience with the full single-player campaign and everything, they'd have to buy the game. But you could just share your disc and play some multiplayer rounds with your friends, which was cool. Um, and I think they did eventually get rid of that. Uh, so most players just kind of dove in straight into the uh, the PvP like death matches. But there's also King of the Hill mode. There's Capture the Flag mode. And it was all very customizable. So right. people were coming up with these crazy modes that you can play, some of which make it into StarCraft 64, which we'll talk about. But, like, you could play uh, – you could you could just, like, race vultures uh, as, like, motorcycle racing. You could uh, make football games, like, with the, where you're trying to move a crystal from one end to the other. So the, I think the reason that um, Blizzard games in general do so well is because they do a good – everything feels really developed. Nothing seems like a total focal point. Like, even though mm. – StarCraft 64 has all this great multiplayer, like, uh, the single player is, like, still a huge part of the game, and they put a really in-depth story in, and they really introduce you to the mechanics in a very, like, intuitive way. Like, each level, you get, like, a couple new units to work with. Yeah. And so, sort of, you can happily start there and then go to multiplayer or, you know, practice a multiplayer and then go back. And then they have all these, like you said, these sort of customizable tools right. um, for people to create their own weird multiplayer modes. Yeah, yeah. Was there a particular... Uh, so, S- Steve, you were saying that you didn't have internet for the original StarCraft. At least you, not internet capable of uh, <laughs> keeping yeah. up with, with a game like this, yeah. But, Woody, did you play any, like, StarCraft custom maps? Yeah, I, I played some. We had, like, a kids' fun center that was set up mm. um, on the island to, like... Um, they sort of based it on the Seattle Science Center, and then they're like, hey, kids will come to this, and they'll, like, learn about science and stuff, but mostly people came and just, like, played on the computers. Sure. Um, and so that's where uh, I played StarCraft with groups of people um but as is sort of generally the way i'm much worse at uh rts games mm. and the um, pc sort of type of games than most people so i've mostly just lost a lot yeah but i remember there were i think like a handful of really great uh they're called use map settings games because mm. you would you would use the map settings for the game yeah. where that makes sense <laughs> that's where you would build in all of like the customizable like logic and triggers and things and Man, some of them just get outrageous with the amount of development quality in yeah. there. So, this game probably I spent. I'm not big on like games that have the ability to create your own content um, mm-hmm. because I find them to be. I just don't have the patience for them. But yeah, StarCraft is probably the one that I went the most in depth for because they have a really in depth level editor. Um, when you can sort of just customize. Um, you can even put in like your own voice and audio clips, and then like when your units get to a certain spot on the map, it will talk. Um, yeah. And so I just remember really messing around with and enjoying that. Um, again, none of that quite translates <laughs> to the Nintendo sixty four version. No, but, we'll, we'll yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, I think one of the most important offshoots of this multiplayer boom on here was kind of the beginning of esports, like you said. Yeah. Like I, I think this was one of the earliest and most popular esports. Which I think we need to talk about Korea right now because 
Starcraft is it's popular worldwide, but in South Korea it is almost a national pastime. Like it's really not much of an exaggeration to call it a national pastime it, in it, South Korea. The, it's bigger than the NFL here. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something like that. It's it's pretty hugely popular because uh, Starcraft hit. South Korea around the same time the company was really like, or the country, not the, the company of South Korea. The country was really kind of uh, bolstering its infrastructure. It was really kind of coming up as a world power. And uh, at the time, the company had the fastest internet access in the world. As of, oh. as of te- 2017, it still does. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, we're not even in the top 20, but uh, Korea, uh, South Korea and Ireland, I think, are the two fastest internet huh. countries in the world. So... Uh, and internet cafes were like booming all over South Korea at this time to kind of, you know, exploit that. And StarCraft just happened to be the hottest game at the time when this was all happening. So it was just kind of fortuitous timing for them. And uh, dominant players quickly started to gain fan bases and uh, Star Leagues started springing up and organizing tournaments. Uh, televised esports kind of started arising around the mid 2000s. In Korea? Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the sport probably reached its apex in 2005 when 120,000 fans showed up to a live championship match in Busan, South Korea. That's insane. That's like ridiculous crowds. So is so South Korea is really or sorry, um esports are kind of just pulled like that's the hub of esports in general, right? And they re- that was sort of America realized, "Hey, like this is a thing that we right. can exploit. We're and catching like, on to it yeah. slowly but surely, yeah. And well, I mean, esports is pretty big right now. It's only poised to get bigger, I think. It's at, yeah, it's at that point because it, this is one of those, like, phenomenons that, like, I just... It's generational phenomenon yes. that I don't understand. I'm not going to shit on it because I, I, I freely admit I don't understand it. But the concept of watching other people play video games... I think this is our rock and roll music moment for people um, sure. 30, 30 and above um, because... You know, if you hang out with someone who's 25 or younger, mm-hmm. they're very excited about streamers. Uh, Twitch, yeah, yeah, stuff like following that. Following specific reviewers on YouTube, things like that. And this, I think, is the thing that most, I feel the most disconnected and like an old person f- for, because I just don't understand I, I don't. Have you gone to an esports cafe before? No. So there was one in downtown Seattle that was open for a little while, uh... That was like so. We went in just because we were curious. Yeah, and it was. I want to say it was mostly StarCraft themed because I think at the time, I, I want to say this was before League of Legends really kind of blew up. Um, so this might have been about like six years ago. Yeah, and so like we, it's in this. Uh, was this place in Capitol Hill, downtown Seattle, where mm-hmm. uh, we'd walk in, and I think like it looked for the most part kind of like a normal bar. Um, and then we get, like, a menu, and then, like, everything on there is kind of, like, StarCraft-themed. Like, sure. you get, uh, like, Baneling Jalapeno Poppers, or... Zerg fries! Yeah, exactly. And, yummy, yummy! And, like, the food was, I don't know, it was okay, but the, yeah. uh, like, all the TVs in there had, um, like, StarCraft matches going on. Or, mm. or if, like, there was, like, a big, uh, like, marquee match for the, for the day or something, like, that would be playing on all the TVs. Right. And it was, it was cool, but at the same time, like... Like you said, the the rock and roll moment where I'm like, am I too old for this already? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things I try. I really try not to judge on it just because mm-hmm. I I know how my parents felt like growing up, like watching me like play with Ninja Turtles and just like could not wrap their head around why I would enjoy yeah. something like Ninja Turtles or video games even for that matter. Like my parents grew up in the 50s. Like they, they, they don't know. 
They don't they don't get the appeal. So I'm trying not to be a weird old man about and, it, but it's I like mean, the other fact too is a lot of the games that are super popular in streaming are not necessary are games that I don't think you and I play very much, and so yeah, like yeah. we don't really like fan like if you play. If you play Fortnite, like watching Fortnite is a lot more fun because mm-hmm, you sure. actually know what's going on and you're learning, you know, strategies of how to play and yeah. where to hide and things like this. Whereas if you don't have interest in it, to you, it's just hard to conceive of why someone cares about watching it. Fortnite's one of those ideas, like everything about it appeals to me except playing it. Like <laughs> it, I, I like the idea of the game. I think it's really cool. Uh, it, it seems like it's fun if you understand it, but then like uh, I, I can't play Battle it because Royale, everybody is better than me. Battle Royale as a game type is just something I find so frustrating because I'll just it's wander stressful. around. It's, it's stressful. Really stressful. It's stressful. I like this the idea. Huge though. open space, and you just wander around for. I'll just wander around for ten minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm living a long time, and then someone shoots me, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I guess I'll reboot. There is a good argument to be made about um, like esports as the the viewer experience and being entertained in a way that you really don't have to invest anything into. Yeah. Like Steve's favorite thing of football where <laughs> Love like, it. like I have no interest in playing football, but yeah. I have like I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, a waning interest in oh, no. watching people like crash into each other. But at the same time I'm like, okay, this is something that's entertaining. I don't have to invest anything into. It's just there. Sure. And like likewise with Twitch, you know, I don't have to uh, invest the rage into League of Legends anymore. Mm. I can just watch other people rage while doing it. <laughs> it's true. I've watched a lot of Let's Plays of, like, older games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Sometimes that's a good resource when I'm, like, researching stuff, and I, I kind of need to visualize, like... I, I find some research documents, and then I try and visualize what's going on without actually playing the game yet. So yeah. I'll, I'll look at Let's Plays and stuff like that. I think those are fine. No, there's certainly a home yeah. for all of, all of this stuff. I think that it's, you know, I play Hearthstone and it's very helpful to, sure. like, see what decks people are playing and yeah. high-level high decks and how they play those yeah, yeah, um, yeah. before you invest the dust into getting them. Um, but, yeah, just the whole... Is that the John Fonte novel? Invest the invest dust? Invest the dust, yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Um, yeah. Before, I don't know, just the, the idea of following, like, super popular streamers and just spending so much time watching someone play this game and not playing it yourself is just kind of odd to me yeah but i mean regardless it's a it's a sport now i mean it's a i think it's a legit sport because there's been scandals (laughs) that's how they make the difference in 2010 in south korea there were several players who were arrested and actually served jail time because they were fixing matches they were uh yeah they were they were taking dives uh for for kickbacks uh some people served like up to a year in jail uh over starcraft so I think it's legit. I, I was trying to look up who the best StarCraft player alive right now is. and um, I, like, I like the implication of that, that they've aged out. Some of them have died. Uh, well, yeah, that's like, true. Hey, to, some of them well, might have. To be fair, like you can age out of StarCraft, I think, faster than other esports. Because your mouse-clicking finger doesn't go as fast? Yeah, like, legitimately, yeah. Because like the there are several pro players over the years who have had to retire from carpal tunnel syndrome, uh. from arthritis, at like... Uh, depressingly young ages at like you know prior to their thirties, just because like you know you go into you know YouTube or whatever you find mm-hmm. uh, videos of pro players and you see every so often the camera will cut to their hands and it just looks like a couple spiders like leaping around the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, like I can't even see anything. They're just clicking around so fast. It's insane. And weirdly, like unlike other sports, I think a lot of uh, esports careers are limited by the athlete's interest. Like they just find it. Sometimes they just find a different game they like better. Another thing with and, uh, with South Korea specifically <clears throat> is that uh, um, young men. So I think uh, in South Korea, military service is compulsory. Yeah. So 
the, you have this uh, this golden age where you're still young enough, you know, young enough air quotes to mm. play StarCraft. Yeah. Uh, before you have to go into uh, your two years or whatever of military service, and then you know you go and do that, and in some cases there are. Uh, hilariously, like branches of their military that still have StarCraft teams. So, like the uh, the South Korean, I think Air Force has still an operating StarCraft Brood War team. Maybe. Okay, okay. Um, which I guess, if you put in the context of like uh, college football with like Army Navy that type of thing, mm. that that seems like a good kind of corollary. Oh, another another evidence that it is a sport. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Has its own. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what I could tell, and uh, correct, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think this is the one that just, like, I found most interesting. But uh, Arguably the best StarCraft player right now is actually a 26-year-old Canadian woman named Sasha Hostin, who uh, she goes by the handle Scarlet. Uh, she was a top-ranked Scar- StarCraft player for several years in a row. Uh, she stepped away to start focusing on a career playing Dota 2 and didn't really catch on with that. But now she's back playing StarCraft 2, and she's, like, highly ranked. And she's doing really well. So yeah, she's kind of a badass. As someone who kind of follows the StarCraft 2 pro scene uh, off and on... Mm-hmm. Um, it's so I, I'm a Zerg player, so that that will all, so a third or two thirds of your audience have already tuned out at this point. Um, don't know, don't know why. They're, they're the purple guys. Okay, and uh, uh, seeing so so there's like there's pro level play at like the Korean level where they're just like literally a tier above everyone else. Yeah, and it's interesting because in in the StarCraft world, foreigners are people who are not Koreans who are playing <laughs> okay. the, right. the pro scene. So so I think like Scarlet is probably one of one of the, the best foreign Zerg players. She's like super top tier. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. She's like super, super good. And I think like an even like a, another point to underscore that is a woman playing esports and at like the highest level like is rare yeah. because yeah gaming is notoriously terrible to women and yeah. so that that's pretty that's pretty badass so i wanted to give her a shout out at least maybe she's not the very very best player i don't know i don't know she's i don't have she's rogue. i don't have the current <laughs> rankings in front of me but yeah she is she's uh, the best around she's the best nearby us and, and, and in and that no she's one, in ontario and, yeah, and no one's gonna keep her down yeah exactly so. Let's talk about the game finally. Uh, Thirty minutes in, not bad, not bad. That's not a record. We've yet. talked about the game. we've talked about the game, but but Starcraft, Starcraft sixty four specifically. Starcraft sixty four released June thirteenth two thousand, developed by Blizzard and Mass Media Incorporated, and published by Nintendo. And this is an N sixty four exclusive. Uh, a little bit more about Blizzard and what else they're up to. Uh, these days, Blizzard has four main franchises they focus on: this Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch. Each of these have become kind of like mini industries in themselves. So uh, the MMO World of Warcraft, launched in 2004, is the most successful computer game of all time, and it's not even close. It has grossed more than $9 billion, with a B, $9 billion in revenue, and has a dedicated player base of 11 million people around the world. It's also spun off into Hearthstone, the card-battling mobile game, which has 37 million monthly users as of last year. Which is nuts. That's nuts. But uh, Hearthstone is wonderful. I'm not good at it, but I play it every <laughs> once in a while, and uh, it's great. Uh, Diablo is up to its third main series entry, which came out in 2013, and uh, it's been ported to pretty much everything. I'm playing it on my Switch right now. Uh, the next game in the series will be Diablo Immortal, a mobile game that already has fans very upset. I'm not even going to go into why. I don't care. Uh, Overwatch is the newest franchise. It's quickly becoming the dominant U.S. esport, uh, along with games like Fortnite and PUBG. Uh, that's a game I've played uh, a little bit. I, I really enjoy it, even though I don't like mobile, like like uh, multiplayer online shooters. Yeah, it's it's a game Again, that great does, personality, great characters, great mechanics. Yeah, Blizzard always does a great job of sort of 
integrating things that are sort of part of the gaming zeitgeist into yeah. something that's better than all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so if you had like these sort of MOBA character driven games like League of Legends or something where the appeal is you work as a team, mm-hmm. it sort of takes that um, of these different characters and team mechanics and then puts it into a shooter. Yeah. Which people love guns. And yeah. I will say to like flip it back on the esports angle, Overwatch is one of like. I think the rare instances where it's more fun to play than it is to watch. Okay, uh, yeah. So if if you're going out and looking at like you know YouTube videos and Twitch streams of Overwatch, and being like, what, what the hell's happening? What is like happening? they're just yeah. jumping all over the screen. I think it, it pays dividends to just kind of like investigate it for yourself and actually like play it because yeah. it just it it has that Blizzard magic and polish of playing so well. It really does. Yeah. No. It, and I, I enjoyed my time with it, but I finally just had to kind of walk away because it's like. I can't really invest the time to get really good at this, uh, and there there is no other mode. It's just yeah. the multiplayer shooting, yeah. so it's like there's You're, no other you, mode. Yeah, you, you can't get better than the computer isn't worth yeah. anything because other people are just going to shoot you. Have, have either of you played Heroes of the Storm or know anything about I it? I played it a little bit. So um, it's like a MOBA, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. MOBA. It's a League of Legends knockoff, but they use uh, Blizzard characters. Right, in, right. And it sort of hasn't been as successful. That's what I've heard. Like, I haven't really... I've heard it existed, uh, but I don't really know anybody who plays it or, like, has anything to say about it really yeah, at I, all. I, I played, I think, one or two games of it. And I think, like, to be fair to uh, Heroes of the Storm, I almost want to call it HOTS because, like, mm. the problem is, like, my StarCraft brain, like, the second release of StarCraft 2, so StarCraft 2 was released in three stages. The second one was Heroes, or, uh, uh, or <laughs> was uh, Heart of the Swarm, which is also HOTS. Okay. Oh. And then, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, and then Heroes of the Storm was released maybe a few years after that. But it was also HOTS. So I want to say that, like, Dustin Browder, who's, like, the lead uh, designer of both of them, was just had, like, yeah, that acronym on his mind. Yeah, and the HOTS for StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, something that I think is really weird about the current, uh, the, these sort of online competitive games is I feel like they're either huge smashes mm-hmm. or they kind of just fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, for all of the quality and effort that Blizzard, I'm sure, put into Heroes of the Storm, the fact is, like... People, you, you there's only so many games that can be part of this like competitive environment, yeah. Um, and because there's so much time and effort to get into them, so it's like if you're not gonna dethrone League of Legends, like people are just gonna keep playing League of Legends sure. because, yeah. I think like their heart of well, their heart, <laughs> their heart of this morning, <laughs> their heart of this, uh, their, their heart of like, or the idea of you have this kind of like. Smash Brothers style all star lineup of mm-hmm. all of, like the cool characters from Blizzard franchises. Like there's a lot of really great characters yeah. from all the games that they have. Oh for sure. And then like jamming them into like one setting and you're like, oh man, okay, I'm Diablo and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tear Jim Rayner's head mm-hmm. off. Like that that sounds like it would be an awesome idea, but there's just I like some kind of quintessential element of it that didn't really grab me at the time. Yeah. And I wonder if now if I go back to it, I'll be like Oh man, this is great because they've added in so many new characters to it. Oh, and I'm sure they're updating if, and patching it all yeah, the time. Yeah. I don't know if Blackthorn's in there. You can like shoot the shotgun. <laughs> He's behind not. You. The Lost Vikings are. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, you can play as all three of them. It's very hard. I to mean, play as all you know, guys. y'all, if if you're listening uh, and and you want to defend Hearts of the uh, 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 Heroes of the Storm, just uh, I think the lesson is let Blizzard have less games that start with H. That's true. <laughs> they should. Uh, the only other thing about Blizzard is that they merged with Activision in 2013, and they basically have a license to print money until the end of time. Because they have Call of Duty and... They have Call of Duty. They have... The Blizzard games. What else do they have? I forget. But oh. that's all they need. All you need is Call, all of, Call of Duty and the Blizzard games. <laughs> so N64 holds the distinction of being the only home console to have a port of StarCraft. Um, they were Blizzard was considering a PlayStation version as well, but they decided the N64 could better handle it. Um, and so they just focused all the resources on that. 
Uh, in the months leading up to the release, StarCraft 64 was met with a lot of skepticism. Uh, it seemed kind of unlikely that developers would ever be able to make it work. Uh, on any level <laughs> and RTS games as we discovered when we played Battlezone Rise of the Black Dogs uh, are hard to adapt for consoles because the controls are very intricate they require uh, uh, I don't know it's it's hard to make it work on so few buttons and StarCraft had a really great like hotkey system that uh, a lot of professional players use as well that, that you could you know you, you just physically can't do it on the N64 controller. Right, you would, you know, trigger a button to, like, select all of a certain unit type. And yeah. So you could just press that button and have all your marines or right. something like that, whereas in this, that's to, not that's an not option. A, that's not a thing. Um, but, you know, I think the general consensus when this game finally came out is that they did a, a pretty admirable job trying to get all this game into a cartridge. Like, obviously there are some cuts you need to make there are some choices that, that yeah. were being made so behind when, the scenes when you, when you stick this game in there and, and boot it up you uh get a full motion video of uh the initial cutscene of oh. uh, starcraft <laughs> looks but rough it, it, it looks very dark very blurry and i think it's about one tenth of the initial video it's like a ship exploding. oh not even that yeah it's, no, it's way shorter yeah it's there's like two pieces of dialogue in it and yeah, I mean, it's it's a big uh, shrug of a. They tried, you know. <laughs> they 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 got it on there. They got something on there. That's that's not nothing. Um, so all right for the for the that's StarCraft one hundred and one. Very very basic description of what the fuck this game is. Top down real time strategy game. Um, you you build up your bases, you develop units, and then you attack each other. Each in the campaign, you have missions that you have to complete before you can solve each level. Um, and basically, you just need to kill the other guy before they kill you. Um, yeah, and one thing I think that was a substantial breakthrough in StarCraft um, that really made it a step up from WarCraft 2 is that the races, there's three different mm-hmm. races in this game. WarCraft 2 only had two. Yeah. Um, and they, they're very substantially different. In WarCraft 2, most of your ra- the races kind of played the same and had a lot of like equivalent units. Like the humans have like a knight, and then the orcs have an ogre. Yeah. And they. You know, they look different and they have slightly different stats, but they're basically the same. Whereas in StarCraft, all of the um, races have different mechanics of how they have to build um, in different sort of build trees and a lot of units that are not, you know, parallel to any of the other races. So it, it's, it's a substantially different strategy depending it's on It's very, very well like. balanced, yeah. The, the the three races you get, you get the Terrans, which are just humans, the Zerg, which are slimy uh, monster alien things, B- and then creatures. the Protoss, which are the benevolent, wise, ancient race of uh, aliens. I'll add on that the Terrans are space rednecks. They're space rednecks. They are, absolutely. Um, and yeah, they, you, you get a little taste of redneck every time you click on one of them. It's like, yeah, this is Jimmy. I'm here. What you want? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I think each each race has their own like strengths and weaknesses. So like the Terrans are kind of like the balanced one, like all around, like they're all around. They're not exceptional, but they're not bad in any way either. The Zerg, uh, since all of their buildings are organic, uh, it takes fewer resources to build up the buildings and produce units, but they're also weaker. Uh, and the Protoss have the strongest, most powerful units, but they're also the most expensive and take the longest to produce. So why do you like to play Zerg, Scott? Uh, I think Zerg calls to me because they're the bad guys. Uh, so from like the the competitive multiplayer aspect, uh, I think I think Steve got it like almost on the nose for mm. all of it. Like you have Terran, which is you know kind of kind of all around good at basically everything. Uh, Zerg are um, th- you could think of them like a cockroach infestation, okay. where yeah. the idea is that they're 
uh, they are supposed to expand a- across the map as much as possible. And it's gobble got, up it's all a numbers the- game with yeah, Zerg. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. gobble up all the money. And the way that you're supposed to play Zerg is to basically trade trade your cheap units for uh, your um, opponent's more expensive units. So you'll send down like a uh, an attack force of these really cheap uh, Zerglings down, and maybe you'll gobble up a few of more of the expensive Marine units of your opponent. You're just trying to delay your opponent. and Yeah, more or less delay them, and if you can, um, I guess depending on the speed of your units, you can kind of zip around them a little quicker. Um, and yeah, I think like the re- I think just like the really gross bug like nature of them has like a lot of really cool, creepy uh, mm. like horror alien sci fi. Yeah, when you uh, when you build their home base like this sort of purple layer of like just ooze will sort of go out. You can only build on that. Right. Yeah. 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 You have to. You have to. Uh, what's it called? The creep or yeah, like yeah, yeah. So you have to. The... I will say that uh, when I was playing uh, the OG StarCraft on the PC uh, as a as a little kid, I'm so mm-hmm. old now. Uh, uh, Protoss was my race of choice because I could just build up this big uh, clump of units and just press one button and walk at people and destroy them. Yeah. There's no sure. question that Protoss is the coolest seeming race. <laughs> oh, definitely. With their, with their like giant so, crystals and blue psychic energies and mm-hmm. stuff. But like why They're why most do you visually appealing. You you indicated that like uh listeners wouldn't be happy hearing you're a Zerg player. Did that do you have like did Zerg players have bad reputations on the um, pro circuit or I think what's that like once people kind of uh pick a main race that they want to to continue playing as, they they sort of fall into the um like the divisions of the battle lines, like yeah. <laughs> oh man, like uh, so. So I think for original StarCraft, if I remember like the balance proportions right for like uh, how many pro games are one on one side versus another, I think it's like Zerg is a little bit better than Terran, mm. Protoss is a little bit better than Zerg, and Terran is a little bit better than Protoss. So it kind of okay. it kind of like balances. Yeah, it's a it's Rock a Fire Pink. Emblem style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, if if you are a Zerg player, and oh, and so mirror matchups are another thing where like if you really like playing Zerg but you hate playing other Zerg players, yeah, uh, that's that's another thing to bake in. But uh, like if you're a Zerg player and you like you're, you're randomly matched up against a Protoss, you're probably like, Ugh. right, right. Uh, or if like you're a Zerg, like for me, you know, if you're a Zerg player, if you match up against a Terran player, you're like, because yeah, <laughs> okay. they're just going to be um, like dropping units and like trying to stop your bases from expanding all over, and you're just having to like jump all over the place. But you're also trying to do that at the same time, so it's it's kind of like you know picking your favorite you know uh, team and you know rallying to that cause it's to bring it back to football again. Yeah, meaningless yeah. division of nationalism. Yeah. Okay, it, it, it's race. Yeah, it's racism. Pick the race you like and excise all the others. Oh, God. Yeah, that's what StarCraft teaches us. That's dark. Oh, my God. Uh, All right, so the story of StarCraft, it's huge and it's intricate, so I'm just going to try and hit some of the important beats here. Blizzard Blizzard also did an excellent job of putting real in-depth story, integrating it with their game. The the manuals that shipped out with the game would give a real in-depth explanation of the story. I genuinely love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cliff's Notes version, uh, we are in the 24th century. And Earth has kind of exiled all of its criminal population to the Kuprulu sector, so it's kind of space Australia. And uh, so they're on the far edges of the Milky Way, and they're working to kind of terraform planets for future occupation. Uh, the Terran forces are led by a guy named Jim Rayner, who quickly... Uh, they, you, you encounter two alien races during the course of the game. There's the Zerg and the Protoss, so who have made it their mission to eradicate the Zerg, which are kind of like a parasitic uh, alien race. 
So the Terran and the Protoss eventually decide to join forces and eliminate the Zerg. There are some sacrifices along the way. Most notably, uh, Sarah Kerrigan, one of the Terran soldiers, is captured by the Zerg and assimilated into their hive mind and eventually becomes their queen. Uh, she calls She's called the Queen of Blades. And uh, she takes leadership over the Zerg Overmind. And uh, I think those are the most important parts of the first a game, right? There's it's sort of a some... romantic subplot between her and Jim, right? There Which, is a bit. Oh, man. So, like... So yes, but what's hilarious, and we almost got to this when playing in uh, the N64 version, uh-huh. where I think over the course of like the first three missions, or like handful of missions, or something like that, you know, you, you encounter Kerrigan, and uh, I think like the extent of their romantic subplot is maybe like two or three lines of dialogue, oh, okay. like, oh, I can read your mind, and you're thinking dirty thoughts about me. And oh, then, it's not well that's developed. It. No, okay. okay, and then like, but it's it, enough to know why it's sad that she gets taken and like turned sure. into this monster thing. Yeah, and then they decided to base uh, all of StarCraft 2 around that. But, uh, okay. she She's like a really important character, like for most of the, the franchise. So like, and she's kind of the, the focal point of Brood War, the expansion pack, you know, so like. Right, so another, you know, an impressive thing about this Nintendo 64 game is it includes StarCraft as well as the Brood War expansion. So it yeah. has all of the missions from both of those games. Plus a bonus um, mission which that's is, only available on the N64. Yeah, so, um. In each each game, uh, regular StarCraft and Brood War, you play at campaigns with each three each of the three races, and mm-hmm. they're about like fifteen level long campaigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that's like. Hold on a second. <laughs> math. Math. math is happening. Yeah. Too much math. I can smell the smoke. I know. Yeah. We'll say three hours. Yeah. 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 It's like three hours of <laughs> gameplay. No. The sure. point is, there's a lot of missions in this there game. There are a lot. There are a lot. There's, and there's some of them drag Almost on. 200, like, I believe. There, there's a level we were playing. Uh, we, we didn't get all the way through because we were, you know, in a time crunch. But there's a level where you have to stay alive for 30 minutes, yeah. you know, and uh, things like that. So, yeah. Lengthy, yeah. Uh, lengthy, meaty game here. And they got a lot of stuff into this cartridge. They're, they, of course, couldn't get everything. Uh, we are missing most of the voice acting. At least the voice acting in the interstitial, the, like, mission the briefings. Story, the story story voice acting is missing the characters that you click on still talk and it sounds good and they sound good the yeah. quality is good they still say about three or four different things yeah um which is which is nice um when you click on them a bunch of times they will give you one sassy remark <laughs> i believe in the original game they would say about 12 different things i think so um, um, it was, i was getting major flashbacks just like yeah. this whole time like oh man i remember why i was so into this game it's so goofy um, but well, yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, we lose voice acting. Presentation we have, takes a hit. Presentation takes a hit, and I think that's kind of something you just have to expect um, if they're trying this, you know. Uh, and it kind of it kind of brings up the point, like you know, why are they trying this? <laughs> and I'm not I'm not derog- I'm not meaning that in a, 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 a derogatory way. I think what they did here was really very impressive, but. This this would not be the best way to play StarCraft. No. Uh, I think this is the best way to play StarCraft if you have no other options. If, you're if you have a, no PC or anything. I don't know. At this point in time, you, this game is essentially rendered totally pointless. This game was fairly pointless when it came out. Sure. And now it is totally it's pointless. Because if you can listen to our podcast, <laughs> you probably can play StarCraft. Well, um, we're running in the same problem we ran into last episode with Harvest Moon, where it's like... Stardew Valley has basically made it irrelevant at this point. Like as good right. as, as as good and enjoyable as Harvest Moon was, but at it's least like, Harvest Moon has a different story it or has something a story. than Stardew Valley. This is just you can play the same game yeah. for cheaper. This is one of the more valuable N sixty four carts. Yeah, so you can play it. I mean, Starcraft. I'm sure you can get it for free or less than. You said there's a remastered version, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it, StarCraft, I think, is still totally a game worth playing Absolutely. for the PC. The story is really interesting, and it's really a well-done RTS, even if you're not wanting don't want to get into anything competitive it's still a fun one-player game i legit did um, used to like take that manual from the original box and just read it like yeah. a novel like <laughs> i would just take it to bed and read it you know it, it's great it's a really good story yeah, yeah but this this game i don't i mean i think we're it's impressive that they did it and it's yeah. not it's a very it's a good quote-unquote good port i mean it runs smooth it and does. everything sort of works the way you want it to it just so so when hard was, to play when was the what year was the n64 one released 2000 so it's so pretty late years, in the cycle so two years after the pc release yeah and if i remember right like being a big console gamer at the time like i didn't well like the pc that i had like wasn't the most beefiest machine. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you had, you know, your standard 56K connection. Mm. Um, and I think there's there's a very small audience for this N64 version of StarCraft for people who are big into consoles, don't have, like, a super beefy home computer or maybe no internet. Right. Um, but again, but, this is in 2000. In 2000. Yeah. A little bit has changed since yeah. then. But I, I still, I would say imagining... That all right? You're you're back in 2000. You really mm. want to play StarCraft. You don't have this beefy computer. Uh, this this is a pretty good way to play it. Like it's it's a, you're getting the well, you're getting the overall experience. I would it, say like I would pretty say well. That like so I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that like it's it's definitely not the the most optimal way of playing it. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, like if you if you need that StarCraft fix. And you already have this existing infrastructure. It's not bad. And, no. I, and one thing that I was kind of like taken aback by when I, the first time that I, I was kind of thinking around with it on my on my own at home, I thought, oh man, you know, this is this is doesn't live up at all to the PC version. They cut it out with sound. This is so not good. I was like preparing this whole laundry list of complaints about it just to yeah. just to slam on it. And then like you know playing it here, uh, you know, on on you know the N64, I'm like, okay, like. I, I can I can kind of see the the um, gold around the edges of of it being a good port. Yeah, I think this this the important thing to remember about this this is not this is not a bad game. This is yeah. not a bad port. This is a really admirable accomplishment. It's just something that it is the worst way of playing it, <laughs> and there's no reason to go back to the N64 version. But if you can put yourself in that time frame and like say like. You know, yeah, I, I think it's it would absolutely have been worth playing uh, right off the bat, you know. Um, but I, I think the biggest issues we're running into, and they, they find some novel ways to run around a, a lot of the technical issues, but the biggest issue that you can't really get around is that the analog stick is not the best way to right. be playing this game. So when you, you need a mouse. When you, you really play a with, a, with a keyboard and mouse, there's a little mini-map at the bottom, and you can just click to different squares on that mini-map to jump right to different spots on the map and yeah. then there's lots of you know hotkeys to select all your units regardless of where they are on the map it's just way easier to keep track of what's going on in but the pc the cool version. thing is you can map some points in here like if you go to a certain point on the map and then press a direction on the d-pad it'll use that as a reference point so then you can okay. snap back to there instantaneously which is cool, and it's a smart way to approach that. It's not uh, obviously you're limited by the four directions on there, so you can only get four good map points. But yeah, and there's generally a lot of smart concessions, like the um, when you select a unit, you hover over a unit and press A to select mm. it, um, and then if you move the cursor around with that unit, your B button option will change depending on what you go over. So yeah. if you have an SCV, which is sort of your worker unit, 
and you go over a burning building and highlight it, B will turn into the repair button. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you go over a patch of minerals, B turns into the harvest button. Mm-hmm. And, and in general, they do a very good job of labeling all your buttons. Like, you, you're never wondering, like, all right, what happens if I press this button? It spells it out. It shows you, like, a little diagram of the, of the C buttons, mm-hmm. and it tells you exactly what you're going to do. So it's pretty easy to pick up on it. Which yeah. is which is really nice because one thing I definitely learned doing this podcast is it's really hard to remember what C button does what yeah, because there's true. no rhyme or reason to like what the intuitive C button will do. So having that little grid or that labels all of them is really nice. Again, Harvest Moon has two dedicated whistle buttons for two <laughs> different animals. So yeah, and which one is right C and which one's top C? Yeah, which one calls my horse? Which yeah. one calls my dog? And why do I need my dog up in the mountains? Whatever. Um, let's talk about the multiplayer on here because. Uh, this obviously we're not going to get online multiplayer. Obviously, we're not going to get eight player local multiplayer. Uh, they they made some wise concessions here and they cut it down. It's only two player. Um, Can you imagine trying to play this in four oh, player split screen? God, it's it's so. pretty hard to see, but it's not impossible to that see. That was the one reason why N sixty four Starcraft didn't take off as the esport. Yeah, that's I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's limiting those other two people. Yeah, exactly. And you know the online community and whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this game looks pretty blurry and squished down when you play in the one player mode and then in the two player mode you have to cut that in half it's split sure. the screen is you know split down the middle and we're playing on uh-huh. on steve's tv which is pretty decently sized yeah. too like yeah. i can't imagine playing this on like a ye old crt of, yeah. of days where you have like maybe 26 to 28 this is, inches this is the recur- yeah. another recurring theme on the podcast is that <laughs> i don't know how we ever played split screen games it's true because um, it is—it's just very hard to see. And yeah. even, there was no slowdown in the multiplayer. No, none at all. Which was really impressive. Scott said, and we had a driving, lot of units on screen. We're well, driving a bunch of carriers around to try and break yeah, the game. Yeah, so so I think my experience uh, that I was doing is so I was. Uh, I'm not one of the fortunate few who has the N64 oh, the cartridge. Super, the uh, super elite. We uh, are so, we are the creme de la creme. Yeah. So I was playing this on my on my beefy gaming computer at home on an emulator with an Xbox 360 controller. <laughs> okay, which I'm sure is the exact optimal way yeah. that they were designing the game. Well, sure. And I, I like that that you're playing a bad <laughs> port on a system that can already run the better version of the game. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> uh, but in that, I wanted to do a test to see, like, okay, let's let's really stress test this thing. Uh, picked Protoss, even though I had to take a, a hot shower afterwards. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I, I made this strategy like, okay, I'm just going to build up as, as many of, uh, like, these super units as I can, the, the carriers, and these, uh, these uh, aircraft carriers that, that they have um, will spawn a bunch of these little uh, smaller units that zip around the map, and they fly around really fast, and they shoot stuff, and... Sometimes even on um, like an, a halfway decent computer, it can kind of chug a little bit. So I, I decided, okay, I'm going to build a bunch of these carriers, going to send it to my enemy's base. Mm. And then this is when my enemy decided to attack me at the same time, mm. of course. So I, I barely you know, uh, stopped that attack and sent them back over. And then as soon as like the, uh, the little flyers would come out of the main carrier, it was almost like a flashback to the 56 day or 56k connection era oh, God. where the game would like stop for like half a second and then yeah your units are under attack <laughs> and i thought like okay well, this is this is you know clearly just uh you know what i was kind of expecting from like an n64 game but it was amazing playing it on the actual like real n64 hardware yeah where it didn't seem like it had that limitation at all and doubly no. so for like the split screen where you have like you know, 12 or 13, you know, workers on the top part, 12 or 13 workers on the bottom part of the screen. Yeah. They're all doing their business, and I didn't notice any slowdown at all. It no. It was remarkable. No. And 
I think N64 more powerful than your gaming computer. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. I think that's true. You need to upgrade. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, there there were limitations, and it was a little difficult to see your unit sometimes. But uh, I was getting into it. Like I was having fun playing it. Uh, and maybe it's just because I've never played multiplayer before, <laughs> like uh, on anything. I've never played multiplayer. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I didn't even know video games were multiplayer. But, you wait, what? <laughs> Who are these people I'm talking to? <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, I was enjoying it, and uh, uh, and they brought over a lot of different modes. Like we were playing mostly the deathmatch mode, but they brought over some of like the custom scenarios. The football game is in here. Like a couple of other like weird little modes are in here. The thing is, they're just so hard to play because yeah. it's so hard to tell what's going on and get a sort of a view and select multiple units at the same time, and that's sort of the. The drawback, I think, to this game is I think this game works okay when you're playing very basic StarCraft of, sure. like, go destroy the Zerg base, defend yourself from the rush, and, like, you don't have too much to manage. But, like, StarCraft gets pretty hard as oh, yeah. the campaign goes on. Um, and so I can't imagine the frustration of trying to navigate this interface, you know, trying to manage all that stuff. Like, I have a no, I'm not good at real-time strategy games because I get sucked up in the activity that I'm doing. Like, I oh, like to yeah. watch my attack force, like, mm-hmm. go and follow them and explore the map. I don't, like, send them and then make sure that all my guys are efficiently building other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I think that would really be much worse in this kind of game because it's... It's not just a click back. It's, a slower. Have to move. it's so much slower. I mean, we did discover you can select all your units by pressing like the R button or something like yeah. that, which is helpful uh, in a pinch. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So it, yeah, again, not the ideal way to play this uh, multiplayer mode, but I enjoyed my time with it. You know, I, I, I enjoyed what they were able to get in here and what they were able to do, like to the degree that they were able to do it. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page. We're on the same that, page. That uh, StarCraft is a fun game. Yeah, we all um, agree. And that this was not as bad as any of us thought. Yeah. Um, but it still is sort of a pointless game at this time. It's, yeah, yeah, I think we're there. Well, let's, uh, one last thing about StarCraft. Uh, this was the last hurrah for StarCraft for a while, StarCraft 64. Uh, well, aside from there was a little Easter egg. I like egg. The, the indication of a hurrah <laughs> yeah. when it's still like one of <laughs> the most popular games in the world. I know. Just I mean, as far as, as far as a new hey, game you know, StarCraft out. Ghost is still right around yeah. the Any day now. Just wait. Any it's day coming. now. Yeah, I mean, we got a little Easter egg during the credits of Warcraft 3 where we got to see some like units, uh, some StarCraft units come out and fight. And uh, then, of course, StarCraft Ghost was announced in 2004 and bounced around and finally canceled after 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was going to be a third-person like action-adventure game uh, set in the StarCraft universe. And it looked dope, and I really wish it existed, but uh, it does not. Um, but the game would not get another expansion or port or sequel or anything for 10 more years. Uh, so StarCraft II Wings of Liberty debuted in 2010, and it had three expansions that kind of sort of function as their own standalone games, but they all kind of tie in as well. Um, and as of now, there's no real stated plans for the next game or a movie or anything else. Like, nothing in the works, but I guarantee we have not heard the last of this series. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think Blizzard does a really good job of parsing out their games and sort of milking every ounce that yeah. they can <laughs> out of something while there's still a player base for yeah. it. And then really waiting until, like, okay... You know, it took how how long? It was like 13 years for Diablo 3 to come out after t- 2. Oh, fuck, yeah, probably and about that, yeah. people were still playing 2. And people, There was just a huge patch or mod that came out for 2 that, like, revamps all the characters and stuff and yeah. all their skills. So there's still an audience for 
all this stuff and you know if especially if they have like their focus on overwatch it's like let's let this dry up and then you know we'll move on to the next yeah starcraft game or something like that and, and starcraft 2 at the moment actually feels like weirdly complete and mm-hmm. like the dust has settled because at, for a while it was like wings of liberty and then everything was up in the air new expansion everything's up in the air final expansion everything is still kind of up in the air and then, like, the dust has settled a little bit since then, and now people can kind of get, like, all the main strategies and things down. Dig but... into the weird little mechanics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. like, just the release of StarCraft Two when it first started compared to now is just two completely different games. Where at release, uh, I was super keen on, you know, all right, I'm going to dive into all these really cool um, custom games yeah. and everything. And I think they kind of mismanaged that at the time. But nowadays, it, it has a really robust ecosystem. And, yeah. And uh, uh, a lot of like really interesting uh, co-op functionality too now, where you can you can play um, co-op games that are more sort of like mission focused, like oh you need to go and do this specific thing. Or another thing that's also kind of brain bending is uh, they have this Archon mode mm. in StarCraft Two, where you and another person are controlling the same units. It's kind of like the the mode that we played for oh, StarCraft yeah. uh, 64. There's oh, a yeah. co-op mode in StarCraft there 64 is. where you each have a cursor, but you're controlling the same unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they have that for StarCraft 2 called an Archon mode. Uh, so you, you know, so Steve and Woody can all you know be using the same units, and Steve will say, "Well, I'll let Woody use all the units. And I'm just going to focus on building all the." I could and actually stuff. thinking about that now. I could see that for this for StarCraft 64 actually being a fun way to play the game. Totally, because one person can stay focused on the base and mm-hmm. sort of yeah. building more buildings, and the other person can kind of go out and fight. Oh, see, that that would be a good way to approach yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's worth noting too that like pro players resisted StarCraft 2 for a while. Like they were they still wanted to play. They were still playing original StarCraft on the pro circuit for a while, and it's still the original still has a very dedicated fan base I mean, yeah, like the, people the who amount, prefer it the amount of effort that people put into you know becoming a top tier player at any of these games it's a lot to make them give that up and, oh yeah and that happens with i mean almost any franchise oh definitely smash brothers because they they learned all of the mm-hmm. intricate secrets of the old game and then you're like okay then like changes, learn these yeah. things and like to us being kind of like shitty players um at most games yeah. Um, like, we don't know all this stuff. And they're like, oh, Smash Bros. kind of seems the same, you know, whether you're playing the new one or Melee. But, sure. like, people who are really in-depth know all these little differences. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's move on to our rankings then. We have done this one to death. Nice work, everybody. <laughs> let's talk, uh, where where is StarCraft 64 going on our rankings? Right now, we have how many damn games on here? It's 124 games nice. that we have played on the N64 so far. Uh, I think I'll start off with this one. Um, I think this is definitely one I admire a lot. Like, even though, like, with all the concessions, with all the asterisks, you know, that, like, uh, uh, this isn't the best way to play this game, it definitely made me remember why I loved this game so much that I would spend an entire day (laughs) and risk my mental health playing this game. Uh, And uh, I think... What they've accomplished here with the limits of the technology at the time and uh, uh, with the the limits of the genre is really admirable, borderline miraculous, Mm -hmm. what they were able to pull off and make this playable on this system. I'm putting this at number 21. So I am splitting the difference between... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be number 22. I'm splitting the difference between F-Zero-X and Extreme-G. Sure. So we got a nice little patch of futurism in there. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I I think it's in that spot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is a difficult game to rate, much in the same way that Harvest Moon 64 was, um, because there's just no very good argument to go back and play it now, except as a weird novelty. Sure. Um, 
I'm going to put it at number 46, okay. um, which is right under Maze the Dark Age. Um, Maze it's, the Dark Age. I think it's probably, you know, it's StarCraft, so it's better than a lot of games that are above it. Mm-hmm. But I can't see myself... I, I can... I feel like if I was trying to actually get into this game and play it more in depth, I would just get very frustrated okay. by it. I feel like a lot of our joy came from just remembering how cool StarCraft is, but the actual playing of the game, I feel like, would really bog down, especially as you get into the more complicated missions. I, I would say I'm, I'm going to go back and play this, but in truth, I'm probably just going to buy it on Steam and play it on that. that. But, uh, uh, Scott, you have two Mortal Kombat games. You have Mortal Kombat Trilogy is the top of your list, and Mortal Kombat yeah. 4 is the next one. Where is this one going? Uh, um... I know Woody loves Mortal Kombat for a lot. I do. Yeah. I do. But for me, like, I don't know, like, Mortal Kombat Trilogy for me is, like, one of those really top-tier games for, yeah. the, for the N64 You're certainly party. not going to offend me if you say StarCraft <laughs> is better than Mortal well, Kombat Well, I don't know. 4, so so, so part, of me, fine part of me is torn. Like, I, I was originally walking into this thinking, like, okay, StarCraft 64 is going to beat out um, Mortal Kombat 4. Uh, Quan Chi just does not look good in that game. <laughs> no. I, I don't like the weapon thing at all. But, oh, I love but, but at the same time, like... The the uh, competency of the port was just I think so good. Yeah. Um, but to Woody's point, like I I don't know that I could really stand playing this game for like longer than five minutes. And I think a lot of the good vibes that I get from it are just like, oh, like this is like we're good more, in comparison more, to the PC game. We're more impressed by this game's existence <laughs> than we are actually excited to play it. Sure. Yeah. I but, think yeah. And I think that like a lot of the charm from the original game with the the over the top cheesy soap opera vo- soap opera voice acting. Yeah, Starcraft the, has um, great voice acting. That's true. The um the music is really stunted in this game where each oh, race yeah, will only have really one track and even then it's like Maybe on a one-minute loop. It, it's just funny, this, the different standards, because I think Steve and I were both very impressed that music even existed in this <laughs> it's game. It's true. Based and on, like, because so many multiplayer games we play, you get into the two-player mode, and they just cut the music. Yeah. Well, and truthfully, and so, I didn't notice any music being in it, like, hardly at all. Like, it didn't even register with me as right. being there. So, yeah, yeah it right. was unobtrusive. Whereas, else. you know, if you if you haven't played 125 N64 uh-huh. games in a row, I think your standards <laughs> might be a little it's higher true. than ours. It's true. I still have uh, still have in mind to like go through your guys like bottom five or ten games. And be like, oh, StarCraft sixty four can't be like any worse than these games, right? Ooh, yeah. I don't know about that. And then I, I see something know. like Dual Hero. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll find something else to do for the afternoon. But so, if if I was someone listening to this podcast and I had never heard of StarCraft before, sure. and all these ideas sounded interesting, Weird and somehow in my grandma's basement there was this cartridge sitting there. Do I go and grab it to like to pick it up and play it over Mortal Kombat Four? I think, I think in this case, it's I think Mortal Kombat Four has the edge. Okay, and I think that just is from like it might not be like my personal favorite game, and I have a lot of really fond memories of StarCraft, mm. but I th- I just think like if you had if you were like forced at gunpoint to enjoy a game for an afternoon, enjoy it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. uh, like. The captor would be pulling that trigger for me on StarCraft 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the most ornate, in-depth soul-searching of a comparison between Mortal Kombat 4 and StarCraft 64. Two I mean, games which most yeah. people don't think about very much. So StarCraft I, 64, number three. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I think we can safely say all three of us 
one of the most qualified recommends on this list. Like, there are so many qualifications you need to recommend this, but it is a very, very, very qualified recommend. So while we're still in the rankings part of the the show, uh, for the next three hours, what I'd like to do is uh, go through... (laughs) In uh, this TED Talk, I'm going to, yeah. Uh, so on the on the Ultra sixty four website, you know, you guys have have your listings of all the different uh, games and what rank they are. Yep. So I thought, well, I thought it'd be fun to put my uh, you know uh, statistics muscle to to the test. To uh, I'm excited to to do a little bit of um, of analysis here. So uh, what I have is uh, I was I was curious to see like, oh, well, I wonder how the rankings different differ between you two guys. And you have enough games now that it's, I think, a good enough sample size that you can make yeah. that judgment. So, uh, Scott is a data scientist. Just, just <laughs> yeah, we should probably, uh, yeah. yeah, we should probably, this isn't just like, this is a qualified person saying this. Shocker, why StarCraft 64? Or, no, StarCraft, StarCraft. Not, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I wanted to pull some stats here for, uh, and, and these stats I think are probably a little out of date because uh, uh, I've only just recently, or well, pulled them, at the time that this is airing, uh, a few weeks ago, so mm-hmm. so these are likely uh, due to change. But if there is strong enough demand, I can put it up on the website. Yeah, um, I'd love to see. Anyway, it. Uh, so uh, these are the top five games that Woody liked better than Steve. Okay, just based, based on the rankings. So so uh, the game that uh, Woody liked uh, much more than Steve. So these are I'm just going to go in, in order from top five here. So what I'm doing is I'm taking Woody's rank minus mm-hmm. Steve's rank. Yeah. Okay, and then like just the, sorting the, the by differences. that. Differences. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I have um, a feeling. What can I guess what it's going to be? Yes. I think number one is going to be Earthworm Jim. That's also what I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Let's see what it is. Uh, okay, so so um, okay, so Forsaken is the biggest gap between us, though. Like regardless, like I think that's the biggest gap. Yeah, yeah, 15, and then 70, followed wow. by uh, Major League Baseball fo- featuring Ken Griffey Jr. Okay, um, and then yeah, Elmo's this Letter is Adventure. Steve, this is Steve games that he liked more than me. Okay, okay, okay. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This, yes, this sounds right. Wow, that's weird. I liked a baseball game more than you. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Woody's list goes as. You got it, totally right. Earthworm Jim okay. 3D. Okay, uh, okay. And then NFL Quarterback Club 2001. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> why Steve wouldn't like that game. Well, that's just a very, it's very low on both of our lists. Yeah, it is. Very it near is. the bottom of Steve's. Oh, yeah, it's right at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, and then Tetrisphere, Extreme G2, and NFL Blitz 2000, which I think uh, are not uh, super shockers. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Some games where there was actually perfect alignment. And the, again, this is at the time. Sure. Uh, super Mario 64. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Gauntlet Legends, both agreed on. Mm. Uh, Bomberman 64. And I think you were both in complete alignment on where Monster Truck Madness 64 is <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, way I think at the bottom. I like As of right now, we do have the same top, top and, bottom. and bottom games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then for uh, taking the average between those two numbers and then doing, like, the top games ranked by your guys' average uh between the two scores. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. I think, like, this probably won't be that big of a shocker, and I think this is kind of uh, what you would expect. But um, top games going as Super Mario 64... Followed by Banjo Kazooie, then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. 2, okay. Star Fox 64, then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, then Resident Evil 2, mm. then Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. <laughs> Lots of Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah. uh, F Zero X, Mario Tennis, and Quake 2. So uh, okay. this is probably a good time to spring an announcement both on the listeners and on Steve, mm. who I haven't really talked this through yet. Oh. But I'm, go- I'm going to assign us now a task. That um, we got we got a letter uh, last week about like what are you guys gonna do what what's the next episode or system you go to when this podcast is done I think a project that we will do um, is sort of talk through and combine our lists oh, yeah um, into one like this is the 
definitive list of like the best games for N64 in order. And I think we Do you can, think we should like like just reset and make one master list when we hit like the halfway point or something like that? No, I think we should wait, wait until, until we get done. through everything okay. and then I bet we'll be able to talk cuz I think we're generally on accord on most things. On it's most things, yeah. Of, there uh, there are a few accounting areas accounting for taste that I think we can get through. Right. Yeah, uh, I I think these last two games, StarCraft and Harvest Moon, I think are both good examples of things that, like, we generally agree, but we're just giving it different weights. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I'm a little gentler on them than, than but, like, yeah. we, I think we agree on every point, though. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's something for our listeners to look forward yes, to. Yes, yeah, that's that's going to be, like, the wrap-up at the very end of all this. If anybody yeah. knows, like, a venue for us to monetize having <laughs> mm. a definitive uh, list of N64 games. Yeah, let us know. Some kind Patreon of, content. Yeah, Ooh, there we go. clickbait article or something. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Why not? well thank you everybody for tuning in uh you can find us at ultra 64 podcast at gmail.com that's how you can email us you can find us ultra 64 podcast.com is our website scott thank you so much for putting that data together that's awesome like i i'm i i I live for that kind of shit so that's amazing thank you so much for putting that together do you live for ire I live for ire. For ire. <laughs> yes. Uh, and thank you guys for being here. Uh, and uh, this is not going to be accurate when this episode airs. But happy birthday, Woody. Yay! Happy birthday. Thank you for taking time out of your birthday to uh, talk about StarCraft 64. Well, I mean, the rest of my day is going to be spent with you guys, too. It's going to so, be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Of, I'm looking fun forward to it. A lot of fun upcoming, be it Bubble Ball Soccer or Neil Breen in the theater. <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah. It's going to be a great 64 day. StarCraft 64, too. Yeah, that, we're canceling all the plans. <laughs> or, or we're just playing StarCraft 64. <laughs> on the... the, on the, the on the projection screen at the Paper Theater. Let's do that. Um, So tune in next week. We are going to be revisiting a game we have not played in a long time because we're going to be playing Mario Party 2, The Deuce. We are bringing back the original combatants. I believe Woody won the the match last time. So we're going to bring all the four uh, players back and we're going to make them uh, go for it again and we'll see... How these rankings change. And you have your protective gloves, right? For we don't have going the protective gloves. They, they, they rotated that. They rotated those games out of Ooh, Mario out Party. Of, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, once they learned that people were burning their hands. So Ooh. tune in for that. And in the meantime, uh, construct more pylons. Yeah. I think, right? Do exactly. we need to construct more pylons? Require more supply depots. Yeah.